consent gives birth to love and life. We foster passion to grow geniuses which lift humanity. And tailor technology to preserve liberty in balance with nature. Welcome, Welcome to, to Radical. Radical. Ah, welcome to Radical, ladies and gents. I'm your host, Shane Hazel. Thank you guys for being with me yet again. Um, today is a, uh, I guess it's, it's Wednesday, uh, the 26th, by the way. Uh, I don't know. Maybe I should start doing that, kind of documenting the show, where it's at and everything. Yeah, no, three shows in a week. Uh, this is going to be the new norm as much as possible. Um, interviews are going on. Um, I have got another interview for you guys today. This one was with the, uh, the Maca foundation. The, uh, the Maca foundation is the medical association for cannabis and hemp America. Um, these guys are fighters and they're pushing, uh, to help, uh, people, uh, you know, with their right to, uh, to, to natural medicine. And I think this is, you know, a beautiful thing. I think this is something that people are really tuning into after 2020, 2021, where we had medical mandates, People have started to see just how damn evil, absolutely evil and perverse that the pharmaceutical company industry is. I'm not saying all pharmaceuticals are terrible, but I'm going to tell you right now, the perverse incentive structure, the communications protocol that thrives because of a fiat system where banks and legislation and corporations take advantage of everybody, um... You know, like it's it's on full display, and when people put it all together and they start to see it, you start to see breakthrough. Uh, in this conversation, I'm going to tell you right now, this is not just a cannabis conversation. This I take in and I start weaving in uh, the communications protocol piece, the Bitcoin piece. This is important because when we're talking about the the recognition of rights and property. Um, you can't do it without talking about the communications protocol because no matter what the federal federal government does or allows, whatever the state government does or allows, it's all built on force and coercion. That is the fiat system. That is the U.S. dollar. That is you know the the British pound. That is all central banks. It's all shit coins too. By the way, yeah, I swear on the show. So. This is, this is one of those things where we're going to talk about these kind of things and how it touches anything and everything so that we can start to work together. And I think you're going to see this conversation evolve. Um, I also have, I have Nate from the Maka Foundation. I have Sammy um, Murphy from the Maka Foundation. I have Chris Brown from the United Empowerment uh, Partnership, I think is what it's called. And these guys are all doing things, man. They're all working in, in their, you know, right in their own right, right? I always say it's in all of the above. Go push wherever you think you know how to push. If I can help you out with that, with things like Helios to go after your your sheriffs and your mayors for nullification while at the same time making them and their deputies uh, safer and bringing the community together and uniting the community, man, we got it. Like I'm telling you, the signal's clear. The We've got power through the signal and comms are coming this type of talk right it's going to breed so much more with guys like chris and nate to be able to go in to you know let's just say different tribes 
right? Like the, the, the people who can walk between tribes and do education so that we're unifying people with the, the very basic protocol, the very basic communi- pro- communication protocol that we want peace. First and foremost, we want peace with each other. We want to in- interact with each other through peace. Man, Chris got it. And Nate got it, and Sammy got it when we talked about it. You're going to see it unravel here, and you're going to go, wow. If we can establish that one piece where now we invite each other in to show each other how this works best at the individual property rights level, and we grow it from there outward with a beautiful, absolutely damn near perfect communication protocol from one person to another that just is peace and consent, Instead of the force and coercion of the fiat system that is going, they're they're about to try to ram it down people's throats in the UK. That's not going to happen here. We are getting a jump on it now, and you're going to watch it unfold here. If you want to listen to this on Fountain, you're going to get sats. I'm going to get sats. If you chop it up on Fountain and make clips of it, you're going to get sats, and I'm going to get sats. It's a super easy way uh, to interface, get you know your fix with podcast, and also get paid right super simple stuff uh outside of that if you want to support the program you can go to cash app and you can send me bitcoin there uh shane hazel is the uh, the cash app and i appreciate everybody that has super easy way to do stuff like that and then if you want to deal in fiat you can send me some stuff through patreon uh it's patreon.com slash radical pod like i said we're cutting the cord here and we are going to go out and we're going to do giant things big huge amazing as Donald Trump would say, um, we're going to do some giant stuff here in correcting culture, empowering warriors, empowering people that want to be at peace. And uh, this is just the beginning. So enjoy this episode, this interview, this talk, this uh, this new foundations in relationships and friendships with people uh, that are, you know are outside my tribe until now. We're building bridges, people. We're uniting people. <gasps> Watch out. Enjoy the show. Morning. There's the man. Hey, hey, Shane. Good morning. Good morning, guys. How are you? Doing great. Haven't gone live yet, but we're getting set up. I appreciate you coming on. Oh, hey, I uh, really appreciate the uh, the invitation. It's uh, good to be able to reach out to new people who are fighting this fight, man. Yeah, actually, uh, the gentleman that's got his muted right now, Chris Brown, he's with, as you see there, the United Empowerment Party which is tied in with the National Cannabis Party with Redman, if you'd heard that, the ones who wrecked the White House Monday. Yeah, right on. And he's the one who actually sent me the debate Ah, Monday night. (laughs) Cool. And I was like, whoa, okay, cool. (laughs) That's awesome, man. No, I'm glad it's finally, you know, the fact that we're we're getting just a little bit of uh, a coverage out there. I mean, Twitter obviously helps out a lot, but yeah, the the rest of the the media out there is just it's a joke right so a couple of things that we were going to touch on of course give you your time to to speak unlike you had last time (laughs) (laughs) okay but um you know talk about we're going to talk about the fight here in georgia for cannabis medicinally i also brought up a couple of stats i wanted to show uh for example alcohol alcohol we know is a huge problem the amount of people that have died due to alcoholism that right there shows people want help they're looking for answers What's wrong with cannabis? Yeah, um, I, we'll. I should. We shouldn't waste any ammo now, right? Is like we're gonna 
we can hammer all of these things for, I don't know, what do you guys want to go for about an hour? We usually go about an hour. Uh, Sam, who is there with his mic muted, he's going to have to leave right at 12. But if we go a little over 12, we're good. Right on. Cool. It's fine. Right on. I got an appointment at 2 p.m. at the battery, but other than that, I'm good. <laughs> All right, yeah. I got a hard stop right around 12, but um, we're, we should be okay. good after that. Yeah, yeah. Um, trying to see if I can get Chris, and then we'll get started. Okay. I'm jumping on that, buddy. Cool, cool. Well, as you see, we got Shane there, so I wanted to make sure that we all got on at the same time. Yes, sir. I'm trying to find my tripod, but uh, I ain't going to worry about it. And also, uh, Shane, after today, too, we'd like to still – of course, keep in contact with you, but we're planning on doing some different events in Atlanta that have to do with the proponency of cannabis as well. Nice. Yeah, we uh, I'll tell you right now, showing up as irate uh, mobs, you know, in, in terms of uh, trying to get these guys to do it. Here's the other thing is, like, we'll talk about it on the show, but, man, I've, I've got this thing figured out. Like, it's it's a done deal if we just pe- get people to take action and get together at local levels. Like, it's, it's done. And... I can't wait to you know share this with you and your audience and you know to to show you a, a, a trick a shortcut I don't know what it is uh, but it is uh, it's a tool and it's something that we're gonna we're gonna push really really hard up here in Cherokee County and if I can help you guys anywhere else I'm happy to do it. Okay, because yeah, that's something we wanted to ask. What do we need to do to yeah. get moving forward? Yeah, absolutely. All right, well, you guys all lined up, ready to go. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> okay. And yeah, Chris, we actually want to get with you and talk to you about what you saw this weekend. Or Monday, I mean. Uh, on, in regards to... How the event went Monday at the White House? Oh, gosh. Because I saw, I think one person got arrested. Yeah. Um, there's a good article in the New York in, uh, in the New York Times on there. Hmm. I don't know if you okay. see it. Okay. Gotcha. All right, I'm about to hit that go live button. All right, well, good morning and happy Wednesday. And what a great Wednesday we've got today. We have, of course, Chris Brown with us, who we're going to discuss a little bit about Monday and the White House and how that went with the rally there. And as you see, we got a special guest today, Shane Hazel. Good morning. Thanks for having me, everybody. Chris, Sam, uh, Nate, nice to meet you guys. Really, uh, it's cool to cross paths with uh, with everybody else that's uh, in this fight, man. It's awesome. Absolutely. And those who haven't heard yet, he is running underneath the Libertarian Party here in Georgia for governor. Huge, huge advocate for what we're trying to do with cannabis and the plant, as you mentioned, and you're correct on. So we are absolutely thrilled to have you on this show today. Yeah, man. Thank you guys for giving me a platform. There's not a lot of people out there in mainstream that want to do anything like that. Uh, obviously, um, they're all about power and we're all about empowering people to their rights and, you know, just living in a more peaceful, uh, easy to get along society. Like, you know, I don't know about you guys, but like I'm I'm 42 now and I remember growing up like, hey, man, you just leave people alone that are peaceful, right? Like you might not like what they're doing. Just mind your own damn business is kind of like what my grandfather used to say and boy, God, it seems like we've just gotten so far away from that. So to, to be able to, you know, go out there and, and hit the establishment and the chops about, hey, kids, you know, listen, 
you guys, just because you're older, doesn't mean you should be going out there and hurting people and taking their stuff, especially with badges and guns, man. It's just like, oh, just, it's a crazy weird world. I mean, it seems like simple stuff, right? It's just like, you tell your kids this kind of stuff and they're like, yeah, got it, man. And then somewhere along the line, they're like, um, we're going to hurt people and take people's stuff. You're like, I don't know who you are, man. Your, 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 your parents didn't raise you right. That's for damn sure. <laughs> right. Well, first of all, let's start here. Chris, how was your week? Of course, you had an event for one Monday. Man, I, I've had a, a, a totally eventful weekend. Um, some planned, some unplanned. Uh, got a chance to uh, attend uh, a group of black councilmen uh, from around Georgia. Uh, had a nice inaugural uh, meeting greet. Uh, so get a chance to sit down and chop it up at the local level. So, uh, you know, we're celebrating uh, the five-year anniversary of DCRAM in Atlanta. And so, uh, you know, we're still working. Um, you know, we're going to work it all the way to the top. So we've seen that great news come down from the president. You know what I mean? And, you know, we broke down last week kind of my breakdown on what that meant in terms of the phases. Um, I think that we're on, we on path. We're going to do what we're supposed to do here in Georgia, uh, which is making sure that we empower these municipalities. You know what I mean? Now that the federal government is weighed in, you empower these municipalities. And so... Uh, Working on some working on some ordinances and some resolutions uh, for these local for the lo local municipalities to to jump in. Uh, of course, Monday, you know, um, the party was down at uh, the at the White House, and so they had they had a few hundred people out there. Uh, good 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 turnout. Um, the movement has to get bigger. Uh, we're now organizing. We're trying to roll out five states uh, to jump on board since they've announced this piece in, uh, in terms of this cannabis uh, in terms of the party. Um, we're ready to go, man. Like, I'm just saying, I'm, I'm excited. Uh, glad to see Shane's here, you know. Uh, it's, just, it's just about empowering people's voices and, and amplifying their voices, you know what I mean, on common sense things that we all can agree with. You know what I mean? Some things just don't make sense. If it don't make sense, it just don't make sense. It's, it's just that simple. You just can't, you can't change the narrative for something that we know even the solution to, you know? Right. So now it's just about taking those solutions and saying, hey, we've tried it all those different types of ways we, we we don't really agree with what you got going on so let's try it our way you know what i mean um got a, a a contract going on you're trying to get an office some people trying to get an office and if you don't some people that will yeah right and one of the things actually i wanted to ask you is i saw an article that just came out on monday saying that biden would not pardon cannabis sales so he will pardon those as we saw under a percentage of but not those who are selling and the question I have for, of course, both of you, I understand that they're probably trying to focus that on the black market, but at the truth is, when does that cross over into what we have in storefronts, brick and mortar, and could it? Yeah, I mean, oh, yeah. go ahead. Go ahead, Chris. Yeah, I mean, the, the, the pardoning part of, of people who are in, in jail or, you know, in prison because of cannabis and, you know, nonviolent crime um, you know, as, as an executive in Georgia, the easiest way to go about this, especially at the, the governor level is like, we have a, we have a board, like there's, there's five guys that sit on it, uh, under the Georgia constitution. Uh, you appoint, you know, five people there that are extremely, you know, pro freedom, pro rights, pro cannabis, whatever. Uh, and at that point you just say, Hey man, start going through everything. If anybody and everybody wants to appeal, you know, they're in prison, they're in jail, whatever it is, we're going to release these people like right now, like yesterday. And Hey, we're sorry that the government before, you know, us and the executive was a bunch of crackheads and, you know, you know, they, they wanted to do, you know, some really shady stuff with people. 
uh, in terms of locking them up. But hey, you're free to go. This is that's got to be the path. You can't be selling and making money through corporations and all that kind of stuff. Well, people who are you know in jail for an ounce of weed or more, you're just like, man, no, this is absolutely on its head. Yeah, so so we're pulling, we're we're pulling numbers. We we want to see the numbers, and so uh, one thing that I, I think that the initial piece did is, is was to to empower the local organizers and activists uh, who's been doing this criminal justice reform, who's been into this prison reform piece. Uh, again, we have to be the voices for the people that's on the inside. Yeah. Uh, they have the power, you know. What I mean, they still have rights too, and so it's just us being able to to band together and advocate. Um, one thing that's going to be hard. I don't, I don't know if it's going to be a blanket approach, uh, but one thing I do know is if that we if we if we help pre-screen cases and we know the charges and we helping the the people appeal uh, and walking through and just having common sense legislation again uh, and and a governor that that understands and that that cares. You know, what I mean, we can ask that question now. Uh, there there are three people that's running for governor. Um, you know, this is where we stand with it. Um, somebody in January will be in a, in a, in a great position to do something. Uh, yeah. What's the plan? Well, not just to both of your point, but beyond that, not only, like you said, Shane, let them out yesterday, expunge those records. Yeah. We don't want them to have an issue where they can't get a job or they can't provide, not just for the family, a mortgage. Who knows what? There's so many other ramifications that follow underneath more than just saying, okay, let's let them out. Yeah, and, and you're you're 100 right. Is you know this this trickle you know trickle down. I hate the term. It's just this trickle down idea that you know we're going to break up communities because of a plant, right? Like you know I, I don't know about you guys, but the first time you know I came from this really really conservative uh, path, right? Like growing up, uh, like I went to Brookwood High School out in Snellville, and they were pro like you know uh war on drugs there were you know the the dare programs and all that other nonsense i think i was 21 before i actually got a hold of some cannabis in you know college uh and when i tried it i was like what are they talking about you know this this idea this understanding through actual use that you're just like the first time you you like your your mind just goes boom right and explodes and now you've got all these questions and so to, to see how the state on its perverse, you know, incentives and communication incentives, and we can get into some deeper stuff here. Um, this is all driven by, you know, bad banks, like a, a fiat banking cabal, this communications protocol where we interact through a fiat currency, right? This, this fiat currency that loses money every day. These people that created this are also the people that want to destroy families because family units those, this is what insulates us, that helps us when we have kids or we're taking care of our parents and all of these things. If they can use a tool that, you know, pries us apart and puts us in prison or, you know, removes a, a very strong father figure or, you know, the, the, those, those people that supply that, um, you know, that understanding of communion even – it, with with certain understandings of cannabis and psilocybin, you know, if you remove those very strong people through force and coercion for nonviolent crime, what you're talking about now is putting the state in as a wedge to fill the gap of 
the father, of the grandfathers, of these people that are going to help lead their communities. And that's exactly what they want to do. They want to be the solution so that when they give you money, they're saying, here, man, this money comes with a, a carrot. You're going to do X, Y, and Z, right? They're going to incentivize through fiat currency the destruction of the family. And that is exactly where, you know, we, you know, in this fight for, you know, a plant basically, or even psilocybin, you're, you're looking at, um, a reversal of that degradation, that decay, that infection of the state into our lives and into our communities. So I got a question for you. I, I, I got a question for you and you, you hit on a point um, this this very interesting interesting when you're talking about dividing the family uh, when it comes to the decision maker um, the governor the person who can push bills through that either benefit communities or divide them um, how do they go about deciding how the dollars are appropriated and how we're taxed oh great question so th- I don't think this is this is you know there's a there's another piece to the executive that I don't think a lot of people, you know, really talk about anymore, right? We, we, the executive, we hear about executive orders all the time, but the executive is a one branch of a three-part government. You know, when, when they wrote the constitution and article four of the constitution, um, they ensured that all, uh, state governments had to be quote unquote, you know, Republican informed, not the party, but the way they are structured. So you had, you know, a legislative branch, you had an executive branch, and you had a judicial branch. And each one of those is supposed to be a check and balance on the other. So when we're looking at the executive, the person who literally puts people out on the street with badges and uniforms and guns, and says, you're going to follow what these people in the legislature say, and what the judicial backs up, you still have that option as the executive to go, nope, you know what, man, this violates this right, that right, that violates the Constitution, whatever. It violates these things. This is bad law. And as the executive, I have not only the power, but now the responsibility to sit there and say, no, we're not doing this. And so now as a leader, as an executive who understands that you get to push back and say, um, th- these laws are not only unconstitutional, but they're just immoral laws. Some some people in the executive will say, you know, there's the letter of the law and then there's the spirit of the law. No, there's also morality of law. If you're violating peaceful people and their right to use nature as medicine, as uh, building materials, as in- in- industry, what- whatever it is, then you have that power and that responsibility now as the executive to push back. So when we're talking about, uh, you know, the, the you know dividing this up or pushing legislation or signing legislation, like it's so much easier than that. What we have is the power of nullification to sit there and say this is going to be decentralized down to the local area. So whether it's a sheriff, whether it's a mayor, now we start to understand that. Listen. We're going to empower those people at those levels where people can actually reach out and touch those executives. And those executives, if they're not going to uh, come around and nullify all cannabis laws, all psilocybin laws, the war on drugs, uh, civil asset forfeiture, uh, the the uh, qualified immunity, cash bail, like if they're not going to be those guys, you can get rid of those guys really, really simply. And that's the power of the executive is more so nullification and decentralization of bad law that's on the books now. 
So I think one of the things that I get from that is uh, it's very key to have the right representation, not only for just a community, but for all people. Um, it's really tough to get everybody on the same page um, in beliefs and outlooks. So it, it really, it sounds more like that executive that's in place, if his belief um, falls into those taboos in the community that you say that you grew up in uh, with the D.A.R.E. programs and so forth, that, that basically pushes the wrong narrative. It continues to perpetuate it out to the people in the wrong way. And then now they double down on it. And then now they use law enforcement and legislature to put people in prison and incarcerate them. I'm curious to know, like, we, I mean, because we're talking like he's not running for governor right now. So I'm curious just to know, you know, what I mean, first 100 days, you know, uh, understanding the power that you have. What what does that look like? Uh, talking about that narrative that we just discussed uh, very specific. Like, what does that look like to be yeah. to the to the to the to the, to the lay person who because that'll bypass some of the people that, that we're talking some of our audience. You yeah. Know? Um, um so you have the, um, you can you can pull up the website radicalpod.com, pull up the Helios tab, and I'll show you what this looks like. When when we look at what day one for me looks like as the executive going in, it's this: as the number one executive, the highest ranking executive in the state of Georgia, I am gathering everybody from the state troopers, all the alphabet soups. I'm gathering every sheriff. I'm gathering every mayor, and this is my message to each and every one of them: the war on drugs is over. Qualified immunity is over. Cash bail is over. All of these things are my expectations because these violate the law. Now, if you pull up that and, and show people when we kind of break this down is my direction to everybody is you are going to be safer as quote unquote law enforcement if you stop doing these things, your budget for incarcerating people and putting people behind bars, now you have more expendable income to actually go after really hardened criminals. We're done with policing of peaceful people. And what we're going to do is show them the legislation that they can adopt at the local level through executive order, which we've already done in Holly Springs. We've already have an example of this. I came up with this uh, last year and, um, if, if, if I don't know if you have it on the um, on the background there where you can pull up the the, the web page. Um, do you have that? Uh, rad, RadicalPod.com. I can pull it up yeah, from here. Pull that up because there's already like I've already done the work. I've already put together everything that we need to do for these people to nullify at their local level uh, through the sheriffs and through the uh, mayors the understanding that day one, this is it. And now I'm in, I'm going to tell you, you should be going through your jails and you should be going through your prisons and finding the nonviolent offenders and releasing them. That that's day one. This is my message to every executive in Georgia, anybody who wears a badge. And here's the other thing is feds, you're gone. I, I don't need your help here in Georgia. I don't need you ATF. I don't need you DEA. I don't need you FBI. I don't need any of you guys. What I need is the people in the small towns of Georgia to get in touch with their executives and start doing things. It, this is, I mean, and this is so super simple. This is what, you know, any leader who's concerned about their citizenry would do. They just sit there and say, hey, listen, now we're going to open up industry. Now we're going to have money pour into Georgia because the farmers grow whatever the hell you want. Right, we're going to leave farmers alone. If they want to be in the hemp industry, great. If they don't want to be in the hemp industry, I don't care. But in terms of nullification, if you if you arrest people, 
I'm going to pardon them. As the governor, I've got a I've got a, a, a board of pardons that's five people that I install. And if you arrest them for anything that is a nonviolent crime, I'm going to pardon them. So you're going to waste your time, effort, and resources. And you're also going to put yourself at risk because the other thing that I'm going to tell the rest of Georgia is you have a right to cannabis. If anybody tries to take your property, cannabis, or your land, whatever it is, you have the right to use deadly force to defend yourself. And this is under U.S. Code 242 uh, or 18242, deprivation of rights under color of law. It is a federal, uh, it is a federal crime, a no kidding felony to deprive people of their rights under law in in Georgia and every other state. So that's my message day one. This is what we're going to start to do in terms of precedent. Now, one question I had real quick is, and I see this as one of the things that's stopping a movement across the nation. We talked about a couple of weeks ago. In 2021, 43% of all drug-related arrests were because of cannabis and marijuana. That's a lot of revenue just to face the dollar signs. Yeah. How are we going to get that mentality to change to where we find that it's a beneficial way for the economy locally at the state level, and we're not worried about it in judicial in terms of that revenue of that 43%. I feel like a lot of that's got to change the narrative too. You guys see this? You guys know what, uh, you guys familiar with Bitcoin? Yes. All right. So every let's, 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 let's talk about incentive right now um, in the economy. Right. And, and this is one thing that I love and I am damn near autistic on the economy. Right. The the U.S. dollar is failing. It is going to fail. What we're seeing over in the U.K. right now with the new prime minister who's talking about bringing in a central bank digital currency. This is happening in real time. Understand that a central bank digital currency, uh, no matter where it is, no matter who's implementing it, is a centralized, manipulated form of currency that they will use to continue to dangle carrots in terms of federal money in front of police officers, in front of mayors, in front of legislators, in front of the judicial branch. And that CBDC comes with a social credit score. If you are a threat to the state, your social credit score is going to be in the in the tank. It'll come back in a second. Um, the When I say they can control everything that you can do, everything that you can buy, anywhere that you can travel, anything that you can do in terms of business, that is what the CBDC is for. It's been used in CCP China for I don't know how many years now, and it has absolutely decimated them. And there's uprising in China over the the CCP bank, right, the yuan over there now. This is going to be installed in the UK. Um, they're going to try it here in the US. Jerome Powell's already started talking about it. They've got white papers and everything else that they are looking at how they're going to roll this out and flip the switch. So when I talk about centralized currency, understand that there is, you know, these centralized banking cabals around the world. And those are the guys that really run the show. It's not, you know, corporations, it's not government, it's the banks. And so when we see how the the bank structure is about to really really go super tyrannical and they don't want you using mind-altering amazing drugs like cannabis because you start to see the cracks in the foundation or psilocybin which really opens up the torrent in floodgates um that's where they're going to go they're going to go for complete lockdown on these kind of things now bitcoin on the other hand not crypto 
nothing else that's centralized, nothing else that's manipulated, a decentralized currency that is saleable over time, space, scales, and has proof of work, not proof of stake, is how we can communicate with each other. It fixes the communication protocol. Whereas a CBDC is a force and coercion type of protocol, Bitcoin is a peace and consent protocol for human beings it's a it's a it's an interface it's the base layer it's like tcp ip for the internet in terms of computers communicating with each other bitcoin is a base layer technology that fixes the communication protocol from me to you versus you know me to you to a bank the banking cabal gets shut out you become your own bank and now how do we how do we make this work in georgia you just to, as the executive, you open up the market to different currencies. You will, you you basically decriminalize the use of Bitcoin. You decriminalize the use of gold. You decriminalize whatever people want to do in terms of trade and barter. And when we start to look at the mathematical equation where because money doesn't wait and it moves into extremely hard assets, Bitcoin is harder than gold. Right, like there's, it is a deflationary digital scarcity that nobody can reproduce and nobody can shut down. So when, as an executive, I see, you know, the the trade of things like cannabis or guns that the government doesn't want you to have, whether it's Democrats or Republicans, now we have a way around that that they can't stop. And that's the beautiful thing about Bitcoin is like, hey, you go do whatever you want. You can trade with whoever you want. You can. You can fix this really broken-ass communications protocol that we have with each other that's based on force and coercion, and now we can start to reprogram people and infect them with a really pure, consentful, peaceful type of interaction, which is another communication protocol. Shane, I got a question for you. Uh, in, in regards to rerouting the funding um, and creating a support system, um, how would you go about doing that? rerouting funding from the state and creating a support system? Yes, because um, if you uh, create the decrim um, from, I guess, less, less legislation and less government, um, then the way how they tax the people by imposing fines, um, taxing the, the people more for incarcerating um, people with the crimes that they charge them with, uh, with removing that, would you create more support programs? How would you reroute the money and get the, the funding to give support programs to help people even more? So the, the, here's, the, here's the narrative once the, uh, the money changes, right? When we, start using the, when we start using Bitcoin or Lightning, it's a, a layer on top of it, uh, versus a fiat currency. What you do now is you you remove the incentive to force and coercion. So when I say you remove that incentive by the state, what the state can't do is take your Bitcoin. If you have your your Bitcoin on your cold wallet and you hold the keys to it, you're your own bank, and they can't take that. They can't take any of it. And so now what we're talking about is removing the power of the state to collect tax. And if they can't collect tax, then you have all the ability to use your time and your resources on what you deem is necessary. So now if you expand this, right, you've got people who are probably going to be hired 
right? Like we're, we're talking about privatization of police forces. We're talking about privatization of EMSs. We're talking about privatization of mental health issues. And this is the big piece for psilocybin and cannabis, right? Is now instead of taking money through force and coercion from people that maybe don't agree with us in terms of psilocybin and cannabis, now we have the ability to take that extra money that we would have given to these guys who would waste it on things that violate our conscience. And we can stand up programs locally that will start to improve those mental health uh, you know, problems that we have in Georgia and around the world, right? It's like, if you can start to flood the market with cannabis, you can start to flood the market with psilocybin. Now what you're doing is you're creating a private market solution through peace and consent that's actually going to address the problem of mental health. And that's different from saying, hey, you know, guys over there that, you know, vote Republican and don't quite get this kind of stuff yet. You, I know you don't understand cannabis. I know you don't understand psilocybin. They're coming a long way. I think they're at like 70% now that would legalize it. Is now, you guys, we're not going to take this through force and coercion from you. You know, maybe you don't believe in our programs. This is something that's revolutionary in terms of the way we think now. Government is never the solution because here's at the end of the day, whenever government does anything, it has to take through force and coercion to do whatever it is that they want to do. And that's the problem with the CBDCs and the fiat currency. And I'm telling you, probably by summer of next year, this is going to change in America. And most people don't understand that. So, so what? So so the average person would probably blow it away. The interest of cannabis is probably keeping glued to, glued to the t- to the to the show, but how do we break it down to them? Like you know, what I mean, and and we under we also understand that, of course, we're, we're moving forward. And part of we know that also kind of happen needs or needs to happen is people coming together. You know, some people are going to push back. It's not going to be just a walk in the park. You know, what I mean, uh, you know, there's there's going to be those that push back. It's going to be those that come down. Uh, with that happening, how do you, how do we look at um, facilitating with all that's happening in, you know, I mean, with you in office and, you know, I mean, it's, you know, it's going to be pushed back. How do we, how do we walk through that? Cause I know we need to also bring people together, uh, the, the, the racial traumas and things that's going on, uh, here in America, uh, and especially here in Georgia, we've, we've seen some progress in some areas, but we definitely know that it still exists. You know I mean? It's like, it's alive and thriving, uh, and it definitely affects, uh, affects the black and brown community. Yeah. How do we, address, how, how do we address that? You know, because, um, there could be an all-out heightened war on drugs in those areas. Uh, the lack of education to some of the things that you talked about, uh, lack of access, uh, lack of accessibility, and then those mayors uh, and other uh, localized bodies uh, would then start to enact. I don't think that everybody would take it in uh, willingly. You know what I mean? Just just through the the feel of it. So how do we get there? Like, yeah, and, and... by in. Yeah. How, how do we get there? So to introduce you guys to this community that I'm a part of, right? Like not only am I a libertarian, but I'm a, I'm a Bitcoiner and I, to introduce people to this community, something really, really special, right? Because, you know, people can talk about, you know, Democrats, they can talk about Republicans, hell, they can even talk about libertarians. But when you look at the Bitcoin community, the Bitcoin community is this community that is laser focused, that comes from a whole bunch of different backgrounds. It doesn't matter, you know, what your race is, color, creed, who you worship, who you love. None of that kind of stuff matters to these people. They have one mission and one mission only because they know it's the most 
important mission on earth, and that is freedom through exchange. So if, if they understand that when it comes down to a CBDC versus a Bitcoin, this community, whether they're, they come from a tech background, whether they come from a cultural background, political background, industrial background, whatever it is, these guys are all coalesced now into a laser beam. And they're this big, giant, amazing family that's like, you want to learn something? Come here. Let me teach you. You know, let me let me show you. This is like it's free education for anybody that wants to first and foremost learn the basics of economics and the two different schools, Keynesian versus Austrian. And this stuff isn't hard. Like guys, I'm I'm a like I, I came out of the Marine Corps Special Operations. I should be eating crayons. But when I you know went out and started to try to find this kind of stuff, it was so like they were like here read this, listen to this, you know, let me help you if you want to go this way or that way. So is it going, is it going to be like a, a light switch? No, it's not. You're going to have some mayors, you're going to have some sheriffs that want to work with the federal government through CBDCs because they're going to sit there and be like, Hey, you know what? I can get more value and do more of this kind of stuff because they're going to give me more CBDCs to go out there and violate people's rights. Now, the ones that actually get it and they see the future, this is, I mean, this is an instant sell, right? Like to make them more uh, safe, to make them, uh, you know, a, a better part of their community, you know, we're going to start chipping away at these things. But the, the problem is, is this is never going to be done for anybody. This requires people to get involved. Like in 2016, I didn't do anything. Like I was, I was not politically involved. I was not taking steps. I did not have the right education to start fixing this. But now it's like, it's all there. It's on one sheet of paper and there's an entire community that's going to back you up in terms of helping you learn and educate and then pass on this education to other people. So when everybody gets wiped out and I'm telling you like the stock market, the foreign exchanges, the, um, the, the cryptocurrencies, all that kind of stuff is going to get wiped out in the very, very near future. And there's going to be things like gold. There's going to be things like silver. There's going to be Bitcoin. And then there will be CBDCs. And when we see how, you know, this transpires and being this far ahead of it is like, well, guys, you can either choose this peace and freedom or you can choose the CBDC, which is, you know, more theft, more coercion from your local level. And I think that's where this thing really gets shifted into high gear because now, um, this economic piece, this is the piece that unites everybody because you guys are being robbed just like I'm being robbed right now. When we see inflation, which is a, um, you know, a, just a, a giant um, uptick in the amount of money that's in circulation. I think it's been $8 trillion in the past like two years that they've said, you know, we're going to just breathe it into existence from the Federal Reserve. Didn't matter if it was Trump, didn't matter if it was Biden. No, doesn't matter if it's Democrats or Republicans, and it never will. Um, this piece here says, listen, we can fix all this and we don't need those idiots, right? We can, we can all come together. We can unify and we can teach each other and trade with each other without all this. So is it, is it perfect? No. But the thing is, is like, there's no rulers here. There's nobody that can manipulate the code. And when we have that, when we can sit here and now say, listen, in our community, we are going to do these things. This is, this is power. This is something that you could, you know, I mean, literally you could take down to your sheriffs, take down to your mayors today and start having these conversations and figure out who they are. I mean, this, I'm doing it here in Forsyth County as one guy, or I'm sorry, in, in Cherokee County as one guy and having success. 
if there's a group of people who are organized to do this, man, it's a wrap. It's done. Well, one of the things to your point there, Shane, if you've heard about this in D.C., for example, mm -hmm. where the jurisdiction has legalized cannabis, they do not allow the purchase or sell of it. So it's legal to have it, but you can't exchange it for money. The entrepreneurial spirit is there, and the businesses have sprung up offering goods and services to the public. So, for example, you buy A, we give you this. But it's a great example of what you're saying of you're allowing this to happen, and you're saying it's legal, but I can't give you – I can't purchase it from you. So how am I going to make all that check and balance work out when you're creating loopholes? You're tying our hands. Yeah, that's that's the beautiful piece about localization, right? Localization and freedom and currency that they cannot stop. If you do the two of those together, what are they going to do? They're going to they're going to send in the feds. They don't have enough people to do that. That's why they rely now on local law enforcement and fiat currency, right? Like if these guys do drug bust, if these guys take you know property through civil asset forfeiture, they get more money, right? And if that if that doesn't occur, if they can't take your money and they can't take your stuff and you can have peaceful transactions that they can't stop, what are they going to do? That's that's the beautiful thing about the decentralization piece of Bitcoin where you know when at the end of the day, they think, yo, we're going to regulate this stuff. You can't regulate Bitcoin. That's It's just this FUD, this this understanding, this, you know, uh, this misinformation, disinformation about what's going on in this world. And that's why it's such a threat. You know, this this is the real threat. The All of us coming together, all of us talking, seeing how we can communicate and decentralize this government together. Because at the end of the day, that's what this is all about. Right, because like, for example, in New York, they've actually had to put on hold those who are trying to get a license right now because the state office, they've closed their period, but they had over 900 businesses applying for licenses for cannabis in the state alone. It's silly. Uh, yeah, you need a piece of paper to grow a plant. I mean, when you say it out loud and you call them to the carpet on this and you say, really, I, I need I, I need approval from people that don't understand this, who have outlawed it, who have, you know, both, you know, criminalized people and hold a patent on this thing. I need a license from you guys who I think most of the population considers to be murderers and thieves and liars. Like, we don't need that. We don't need them. It's it's silly. So 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 we know that the industry is less than two percent minority uh, in terms of the industry. Yeah. How do we address? How do we start to address those issues in those communities uh, that has historically been affected by systemic things uh, of this nature? How do how do we how do we make up for that? Because you know that's that's a large percentage over a large, a long time. And um, just to add, I heard something around um, fifty two percent of Georgians are reading at eighth grade proficiency. Mm -hmm. Whoa, really? So how do how do we how do we start to address that? You want to do education first, or you want to do um, empowerment in an industry? Uh, I'm just saying the, the plan. So I'm just trying to take what I'm trying to learn is learning from a person definitely that's, that's running to be governor. Yeah, uh, that has you know what I mean created a platform, definitely very well uh, knowledgeable mm -hmm. about a lot of things that, that that definitely make a lot of sense, right? Yeah. And so I'm trying to figure out how do we take it and to be able to take it to all these different communities um, that that are isolated, you know, uh, and that are further behind in certain areas yeah how do we try to figure out how can we all because that's what i say it, take, it, it takes coming together but i got to figure out how to get it to the people 
Like, it's not going to happen tomorrow, but we know that there's some things that can happen. You know what I mean? So there's some things happening yeah. uh, that we can push forward, and there's going to be some things that's going to be created to happen. Uh, yeah. A one, two, three. Yeah, and, and let's let's address it this way too, right? Like most people who um, don't have a ton of money, right, have all been affected over time, right? And so let's let's start with education because I think this is one piece that is a, a giant problem that is a much more easy solution for everybody. Government, youth, indoctrination, all right? Government, youth, indoctrination <laughs> is not what people are familiar with in terms of public school. Public school just sounds like, oh, yeah, you know what? We're, we're doing a good thing by ed- educating everybody. Well, not really. Public education system in America came from Prussia. It came from Prussia in the 1700s. And what they did was they put together the system that would try to homogenize and create solidarity under a government so that when people, uh, when the government needed an industry to do something or when they needed culture to do something, uh, whether it was, I don't know, put up a new factory or go to war with some other innocent people somewhere, they had a citizenry that was indoctrinated enough to say, yeah, let's go do those kind of things, okay? There was a guy named John Taylor Gatto, and I hope anybody and everybody in this audience will read him. He was a 30-year veteran of the New York school system, and he got Teacher of the Year while giving these guys the middle finger saying, this system is absolutely the most, you know, I don't know, invasive, corruptive system for a child's mind that you could possibly have, right? So what we've got to do is we've got to get kids out of being indoctrinated by the state, by the government, because when we have those guys tell us what we have to do with our children, how to educate them, what they should be educated on, what they should be reading, what we do is we lose our culture, right? We we lose this idea of like who we are as people, what is, you know, what is really important. And they, you know, obviously manipulate, you know, us through you know, the understanding of economics, the understanding of medicine, the understanding of damn near everything that we do. So getting government out of education and privatizing education is one of the first steps in terms of healing communities, whether they are, you know, brown, black, white, mostly just indoctrinated by the state to begin with, whether they can read at a, you know, a college PhD level or an eighth grade level, you know, maybe doesn't make a damn bit of difference if they're all focused on going the same path towards the state, if that makes sense. So that's, that's one of the first pieces that we've got to fix. Does Bitcoin fix this? Absolutely. Because it takes away their ability to take property from people to pay for the state system. And that's what I was talking about during the debate is, Property tax is, you know, especially for people that, you know, want to, you know, privatize or homeschool, uh, do any of those kind of things outside of the norm. You're taking away, you know, funding from what they can do on their own. Now, how do you make that up? Well, there is a natural course in what we're doing, right? Like if we're starting to rebuild culture, rebuild family, rebuild community, because we're having peaceful, consentful transactions, now what you get is this flood because people want to be industrious. People want to work and people want to let their passion show. So if we can, if we can foster passion and show people, hey man, education is actually kind of free these days, right? If you want to learn something, after learning, you know, basic math, basic reading, 
Um, now you can go out into the internet and learn damn near anything, or you can be, you know, taken on as an apprentice in your local system where, you know, if you want to go out and learn plumbing, you want to go out and learn agriculture, you want to learn, you know, whatever it is, this is super simple stuff and it's not expensive. It's super like, it's just go out and learn, find your passion and put a lot of work into it. This is the decentralized approach to things like education. And then the cultural side once that comes around and we start to heal that and fix that and build families again and build communities where peaceful people are left alone, that's where you start to see industry come in because what you have to first have is stable, a, a stable economy, right? You can't have this fluctuation in economy. You've got to have stable families and communities that insulate each other against outside forces. And then you've got to have, you know, the stability of things like energy. You know, if if we've got energy that's, you know, moving left, right, up and down and, and because of, you know, how it's pegged to a dollar or when Saudi Arabia and places like that no longer take the dollar because it's nonsense, then what you're going to create is a stable energy for those people to tap into that's cost effective and low at the same time. It's all done by Bitcoin, by the way. And so when when we see this in terms of like, you know, helping people become more equal, helping people understand, you know, what they can do at their local level or where they need to go because maybe their locality doesn't support what they want to do with their genius and their passion in life. This is something that, you know, opens up dramatically when the state isn't involved and the state isn't forcing things down our throats or stepping in, uh, in, in the place of a family. So we we we're so in a state of emergency. What what is our message to your, our state superintendent, uh, our labor commissioners, our agriculture commissioners? What is our message? Like we we know that the executive is the executive, but he can't do it alone. Uh, it's, it's one. How do we engage the people that are also elected officials uh, again to to do this without having to to shake a system that's already broken? Yeah, and that's the thing is we're talking about revolution, not reformation. Right. And, and I think most people would agree if they take a if you take a step back, this this whole system is broken beyond repair. What it's going to take is absolute revolution at the local level. You know, we can can we do this together? Of course we can. We've got more communication than we've ever had. We've got the ability to do, you know, communication, like I said, through peace and consent. It's now your message to the commissioners, to the uh, superintendents you've failed. You've absolutely failed is, is the, the message that I have for them. You have failed the people. And now my, you know, my, you know, I guess objective is to make sure that they don't have to pay you. I don't need these people to pay you to continue to fail. You're going to have some newly elected people. Not all, not all people are going to be incumbents uh, in those positions. You're going to have some, some, some new spirits, some fresh blood. And so therefore all, all would be given the same opportunity just as you would. And so, what about the ones that's coming in as fresh? You know what I mean? The, yeah, and, and, and to your point is they're coming in fresh to a system that's built on fiat, that's built on force and coercion. That can't stand. That's And that's the biggest piece, right, is when you have a system that's built on force and coercion, that's going to fail. Some people, can't spell, some people can't spell fiat. And so, therefore, better yet, even understanding what fiat means, you know, yeah. and that's why I say we, 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 we have to come to, like, I get it, right? We're gonna we can we could disturb more than what we to to fix something more than and, and be in more dismay 
in the outcome over a period of time. And that, cause it's something I see, it's like, it's a lot of confusion now. Like there's some things that have to be stabilized now for us to advance any type of system uh, or any type of openness. Um, we have to slow that bleeding down. We, we know that. Well, whether you whether you stay in rural Georgia or if you stay in Atlanta, you know, there's there there's those effects. How do we engage federal dollars? How do we engage uh, some of the systems that's in place already? How do we address I, these things? I, I guess my question is is in in saying how do we address federal dollars? Right? Is do you do you want a corrupt system? Do you want to corrupt money? I'm saying it it it, it is it exists today. It's not going to change tomorrow. So therefore, so therefore, what I'm what I'm looking for, like I'm always great for the end goal. I'll, I'm also looking like give me my one, two, three. Yeah. And so that way, again, if we're going to do talk about empowerment on a revolution of any type of of any sort, and it's just a, a thought leaders coming together uh, to figure out how we utilize the system and what autonomy that we have, and, and people may even buy into it because you know I mean, look at cannabis over the years, yeah. you know. The approval rate, you know, I mean, that's why we, we, we're here on the show because cannabis has came a long way, you know, um, yeah. and, and and we're here and, and we've seen some things in America that we thought that we'd never see. Yeah. So um, let's I mean, and, and this is good, right, because in in these meetings, right, where let's say I'm an executive and you're a community leader, right, this when when we're going through this transition because this transition is coming right now like it is it is upon us i think everybody sees that the us empire is melting down in real time most of the banks are melting down in real time so when we figure this out together right we have we have some base rules right we get down to some real basics like my community and your community we're better off not hurting each other we're better off at peace would you agree of right course. yeah so i i think you know, when, when we say, all right, let's let's be very peaceful with each other while this thing f rolls out. Is that what the message is from the people in the government? It's not. It's it, the, the thing is, is those people are still coming to you, pointing a gun at you saying, give us your stuff. Even if you don't agree with it morally or consciously, as this thing is melting down and changing, they're still those people that are saying, Give us your stuff, or if you know you hold out long enough, we'll we'll use enough force to kill you in front of your family, even maybe. So we have to be that change. We have to be those people that bring them in and say, "Hey, listen, you know we can coexist, and you can coexist over there." But what we're going to do is we're going to empower individuals first to their rights and to their property and to the rights to property. So my community and your community. Now we can sit there and say, "Okay, now how do we do this?" together how do we trade how do we take everybody's skill sets within this community for survival growing food clothing each other providing energy for each other providing communication for each other how do we best do this because those guys over there have some ideas but they're coming at us through force and coercion and you and i we've already agreed that peace is the only way to do this successfully because if we harm each other's communities what we're doing to do is create war that creates destruction and destruction and war doesn't determine who's right and wrong it det it, it only determines who's left at the end of the day right so if we can sit here and decide hey listen our communities would be best served by not taking dollars from the federal government. Our communities would be best served by not having to, you know, 
take all these strings that come attached from these guys who want to manipulate us, who would who would very much like to see us divided. And that's the that's the Democrats and Republicans. I don't want to say, you know, it's not libertarians like there's there's still some infighting there. But for the people in our sphere, this economic sphere, this Bitcoin sphere that say, hey, listen, I think we got this thing wrapped. I think we've figured out peace and consent. We can have these transactions all day long and we can do it peacefully. And if that's the goal, if that's the goal during a transition, then what we have is a foundation and a new communication protocol. And we can sit there and start to push back together on those people that are pointing guns at people with badges. If that what question, like that's a, that's a basic premise of like how we're going to transition from where we are now to where we're going. No, absolutely. And something I want to touch on, Shane, kind of switching a little bit, but not necessarily because we're definitely going to get on a lot of it on the cannabis here. But, you know, you talk about peace. People want peace, not just in their own lives. They want it mentally. Yeah. They want it in so many different ways. Mm-hmm. And we've seen what's happened to people's mental health over the last couple of years. Yeah. Dramatic, huge. COVID definitely hurt us. We focused last month on this show about suicide awareness. It's a major factor in society, whether it be any race, creed, doesn't matter, your religion, it, it's a local thing, it's a national thing, it's all over. Alcoholism, alcoholism is huge. Tobacco, yeah. huge. Those are legal products. And most people, they don't want to talk about this, but consumption of alcohol is to cover pain, it's to cover feelings, emotion. We've got a plant, like you said, it's a plant that can help with all of this yeah you know it's important because they were talking about how the age group that experienced the most death via alcohol were those 55 to 64 year olds Mm -hmm. and i think a lot of times we would think that that would be teenagers early 20s no it's a much higher 2200 georgians died from alcohol in 2020 the highest number in 22 years When we've, like you said, got a plant that we can help with this. Suicide rates, 13.7% is where Georgia is nationally right now. And one of the questions I have, and I don't think any of us really know for sure, that's the ones that we know were. What about what they consider secondhand suicide? Somebody who caused an accident or something. Suicide is a huge thing. And I think this cannabis could help with that because people need pain relief. They need mental relief. You know, uh, for example story broke the other day Tristan Nash son of Kevin Nash pro wrestler who he's had a lot of alcohol issues himself too he's a partier met him a couple times great guy though his son they both tried to quit cold turkey it caused cardiac arrest and seizures and that caused Tristan's death wow this is a gentleman who he just lost one of his best friends a few months ago from alcohol and drug related incidents throughout his life yeah two major things uh, I don't know if you've met this person or not. I might say her name wrong. Von Schur Wrighton, uh, the coordinator of, of addictive disease here at Georgia Behavioral. Okay. She was talking about a lot of these different things. She's talked about how we got all these new programs here in Georgia and whatnot. And also Erin Campbell, who is the director of Summit Wellness. She talked about how she started at age 15. She would drink 25 to 30 beers a day, not including alcohol, or I'm sorry, mixed liquors. Mm-hmm. 
but we've got all of these different things. And in a report literally that just came out, 7% of people polled say that al- that marijuana is more dangerous than alcohol. 54% say that the alcohol is more and 38 say that Tabasco is more dangerous. Mm-hmm. Then when you read like the tobacco industry there, 13% say that marijuana is more, 45% tobacco and the 38 is equal. But here's the thing that, to your point earlier, though, if you're talking about two thirds, 68% support legalization in this country. Supposedly by these numbers, 76% of that is Democrat. 73 is independent. 52 is Republican. <clears throat> but now let's look at the age real quick. 18 to 34% or 18 to 34 age range, 87% of those people support legalization. 35 to 54 is 70% and 55 and up is 53%. The numbers show the Americans want it. Mm-hmm. We're, we're being held back, as you said. And to that point of those numbers, are we being held back from what currently we have of our leadership? Or is that us not being proactive enough? And what can we do to be more proactive to change that? Um, well, let's just say it's both, right? Like if we take more action and we know what we're doing and we have the right tools and we're talking to the right people, we'll have better production out of individuals and humans and in terms of your community and local levels. At the at the state level, at the Fed level, of course, they are holding you back. Why? Industries. Because when you mix the government and you mix corporations in a fascist society like we have now, what do they do? They, they use lobbyists to write laws so that they get rich. So you have the pharmaceutical industry, who is absolutely one of the biggest. I think it outspends every other industry by bike three. So when you look at that, you look at the, uh, the, the alcohol industry, the tobacco industry. You look at all these industries that have cornered their market, so to speak. And they say this is and should be legal and we'll also allow you to tax it. And you got to put up barriers for entry so that other people can't come in here and compete with us. Yeah, you're being absolutely held back by all of those. And I'll tell you, you know, you know, as a Marine with, you know, post-traumatic stress, I I didn't even know I had post-traumatic stress, guys, um, to see what uh, cannabis and psilocybin do for the relief of you know, being either a drunk or an alcoholic, I can tell you right now, man, like I stopped, you know, really like I was drinking a ton when I was a Marine, like even afterwards, just drinking and drinking and drinking and drinking. I didn't even think I had a problem, right? The problem was, is I didn't know exactly how bad it was. I had no idea what it was doing to me. I had no idea that there were better things out there. And I had no idea that it was probably covering up something internally that was wrong. And at the time I was like, I don't have PTSD. I got, you know, I'm fine. You know, like look at me operate. I'm very high function and everything else. Then cannabis came along. Then psilocybin came along and all those things with alcohol. I was like, Oh, God, what a what a poison! You know, and I, if you, I, I'm not saying you know a drink isn't fine here and there. Like I'm not saying that, and but at the same time, I'm, you start to compare these things, and they are absolutely different in terms of what they do. You have an endocannabinoid system for God's sakes. Mm-hmm. You have a you have a system that is extremely psychedelic reactive in terms of psilocybin as well. And so when we look at these things that you can grow out of the earth for damn near free and apply them to your life yeah 
They're scared to death that you're going to crush their income if you legalize cannabis and psilocybin and drugs because psilocybin might even take you off of everything else, right? It's one of those things where you're like, well, man, man I really don't need any of that kind of stuff. I'm, I'm good. I've, I've seen what is out there. I know what the experience is. I am going to, you know, I'm going to be more um, intentional with my life now because I've I've been given a, an instruction. So, yeah, this is something that you're being held back by um, your own action, by the state and everybody else out there when we have all sorts of just, you know, not only, you know, bona fide research, but geez, it doesn't take, and, you know, somebody with a PhD to go, you know what, this is actually a really great substance for human beings. It's a far less, you know, um, intrusive or addictive or damaging substance than things like alcohol or, you know, big tobacco or pharmaceuticals, for God's sakes. I mean, look at what pharmaceuticals have done in this country. It's crazy. So yeah, no, it's, this is, this is all the result of a perverse incentive system that is fiat currency, unfortunately. What? And that's what I wanted to ask you about your take on Big Pharma, because, for example, if you hadn't heard the story, the individual who is the heiress to Publix, uh, Carol Barnett, she gave $800,000 in July to drug-free Florida to fight the legalization of cannabis in Florida. I would say not because she doesn't want to see it legal, because that hurts her pocket. And Publix, I don't know the exact number, but they're making what? I think it's 58% of all of their sales come from their pharmacy. Wow. I wonder how so much come from... giving money to fight that. Yeah, I wonder how much come from their, their beer and alcohol aisles, you know? I mean, and that's... You're, you're looking like you're you're going to severely impact the sales of pharmaceuticals. You're going to severely impact the sales of tobacco. You're going to severely impact the sales of all their alcohol. And I mean, those things... That's exactly why these people get in bed with politicians. It's it's gross. And you take that power away from them through using a currency that's not theirs. Psh, man, let's go. So, so, that, so there's a bill in Congress, uh, the Medical Marijuana Research Act. Mm -hmm. uh, it's already passed the House. Uh, so currently sits in the Senate. Georgia as an emerging market has the opportunity. Well, we already have two uh, educational institutions, uh, Fort Valley and UGA. They currently has exemptions um, to grow cannabis uh, and cannabis research and conservation. Mm -hmm. How would you utilize just the current state uh, to connect those institutions to providing cannabis and cannabis education? Would you would you be in support? If, if, there, if there's a plan that already exists, there's, and I've been talking to a lot of people, there's a plan that exists I want to get your take on connecting research and development um, just for this current system. We know, you know, that other pieces are going to flip over and things are going to start to change. But right now there's some immediate things that can happen yeah. that can unlock things that can provide immediate relief and immediate access uh, for Georgians. Um, would that be something that you would be in support of? Yeah. I mean, here, and this is the beautiful piece about, you know, I don't know if you guys are into jujitsu, but like jujitsu is one of those things where, you kind of use your opponent's strength and force and all that kind of stuff against them, right? So when you look at the state, man, it's got a ton of force. It's got a ton of coercion and everything else. What you can do is use their own policy, their own code against them. And you you start looking at equality, right? Well, why should the University of Georgia and you know one other institution have a monopoly 
on you know the research shouldn't we if if this is something that we're looking into wouldn't we want more and more people looking into this so you start to expand this through equality you just say hey listen uh kennesaw, uh, kennesaw state north georgia the rest of you guys out there with ag programs um we think that you guys should be equal to georgia or, or uga let's let's make sure that this happens um and and then after that it's i mean i think you're kind of just to the point where um you know i guess if you're playing within the current system I mean, you try to equalize it across the board, right? Like, I mean, if- that's that's what that's so that's what that's the opportunity. So the bills the bills see it and read things, right? Yeah. Then it creates other things to happen. Yeah. And so with medical research, like like you said, that it allows for Kennesaw State, it allows for other institutions to partner with other institutions. Yeah. Uh, to provide research, and 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 would you? Given that, given that the current scenario, would you support that? Like, um, we got what? Less than two weeks to the election. Sure. I mean, somebody's going to be the governor. Yeah. You know any, I mean? any and every uh, step you can take, right? It's in all of the above. Like, yeah, let's let's move. Whatever we can do in terms of moving in a direction that gives somebody else that, like, oh, I'm not going to be persecuted by the state if I go do this. Like, yeah, let's go. Like, take whatever step you can incrementally or big chunks at a time. Like, it's not like. That's the thing that people, you know, come to me a lot of times. They're like, well, you should be doing, um, you know, you should be doing this with your platform. You should be doing this with your audience. You should be doing that. Well, hey, man, go show me how to do it. Go show me your platform. I don't, I'm not saying don't do it your way. I'm saying do it every way you think you can. And that's the all of the above approach, right? It's like, listen, there's not one way to do this. And that's the, that's the beautiful thing. Now, I will even say on top of that is I will point everybody to research and development on cannabis to the places that have done this, like Colorado, California, the Northwest, places like Canada have knocked it out of the park, right? So when you look at, you know, you've freed a market, you've freed an industry, they're going to pour themselves into this so that they can be the best product or service to their end user possible. Because if they have more end users, they have people with deeper pockets, they have a broader audience, they are the authority on these kind of things, what's going to happen? They're going to make more money. And and, and we might even find, I mean, the advancement is cancer, you know? Oh, uh, yeah. That's, 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 that's the initiative of the president currently. I think that uh, with 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 doing this and being inclusive, you know, I mean, not even to uh, not talk about uh, COVID, you know, I mean, we know COVID and cannabis. Uh, the research that's shown with the University of Oregon, uh, you know, it's booster time to boost up. Uh, could I could I boost up with cannabis? You know, I think the research shows that I could. You know, you'd be safer. So you know, but that's <laughs> but, well, that's, that's that's what I'm saying. Like, there's messaging out here. We have to use our platforms to say. People have to know the options. It's, it's a lot of education that has to be done. Yeah. I think that sometimes we, when we amplify uh, those opportunities, you know, what I mean, people, you know, what I mean, that makes sense. You know, what I mean, just common sense. And, uh, you know, it said that for real. And you just point people. Look, it's right there. Don't believe me. Read it. It's, it's right. You know, what I mean, yeah. it's, it's authentic. It's not us coming to sell anything. It's us saying this is what was reported to us. Yeah, and that's and that's the thing is like we spend about. I don't know how much time, but everybody looks at these. Like damn near everybody looks at these, right? And and who who's bringing content to these? It's not 
you know, the the government's not doing a great job about it. Like they're not the ones that are going like, oh man, I need to send I need to send the CDC report over to my my pals, right? No. I need guys that are creating good content that's fun content, that's accessible content that makes like, you know, a 30 second pitch and goes boom and it just you know, nuclear explosion. That's the kind of stuff that I need. And that doesn't come from, you know, this organized, you know, religion of the state. It comes from people that are acting in their own interests to either grow their audience or to provide knowledge. And at that point, what you're looking at is people who are trying to go through their own um, faculties and resources and things like that to add value and create content to what we do on a daily basis, right? Like that's, that's the, that's the race now is how do I provide the best content to people? And now if this comes along in terms of your education piece, your education piece is going to handle itself because people now have a market to sit there and go, I can be the authority on this. I can put my own, you know, twist on this. I can do all of these things and I can share them with not only my people, but you can share them with your people. You can share them in these communities. This is what's worked. This is best practices. And that's what happens, right? Like that's what I was trying to say during the debate is like our abilities as humans to adapt. That's our superpower. Your, your ability to adapt to a changing time, which we are in now, that's your superpower. But that doesn't work if you are told what you can and can't do and held down by the state. Like when they limit your ability to, to trade, to react, to do whatever you need to do during emergency situations, that's a terrible idea. You got to trust people that they're going to do the best thing that they can do for them and their community uh, during those type of times. And that's why, you know, like I said, it all kind of round, round circle now is CBDC or Bitcoin which one is going to help us be as adaptive as possible during changing times? And it's not CBDCs. Well, you know, the overall education, like you were talking about, is highly important because we discussed so much about, yes, recreational as well as medicinal with this plant. Yeah. But we don't touch enough on all the other benefits from hempcrete to the fact that we've actually seen them make artificial limbs out of it. Yeah. The possibilities or endless, I think. Yeah. yeah I, th I, I think that that's a great piece that, you know what I mean, regardless of that should be a conversation. Uh, some of these groups, things I've been working with uh, and coming in contact with, not just here in Georgia, but but across the country, you know. Um, we got some states are doing some great things. New York doing some great things, you know. Um, we're wanting to, again, as it relates to cannabis, uh, bringing the thought leaders again. There's, there's people that's running for office and there's people that's sitting in office. Uh, you know, I mean, a great idea is not because I because I say it so. But yeah. everybody's saying great idea. You know, what I mean, I think that we should be trying to put that on. You know, what I mean, on the forefront, especially if you want me to cast my vote. Yeah. Um, and you know, even even after the fact, you know, what I mean, it's not one of those things where uh, we're bitter forever. You know, we we, we we work as a party. We do our thing, right? We let the candidates that we want to choose and put in there. You know. I think there's opportunity where people are dissatisfied even with their own party. <laughs> <This day and age. laughs> yeah. So it's, it's, it's a lot going on. So I think that, again, this is the time that we have thought leaders to come together um, to do innovative thinking, things that's going to help move uh, localized economies forward, things that's going to help push those things that, that mean that are most meaningful to those localized economies. Um, and that's meaningful to those families, you know. Um, but we also want to just make sure we keep up with the people who you know, whose voices are muffled because all the people are 
laying on top of them, you know what I mean, with, with their great ideas. So I look forward to all the great work that you're going to continue to do and the things that you're going to continue to say. Uh, you caught a lot of great attention uh, during the debate, you know. And so I think that we came here because it's like, man, you know, give him some time to talk. He wanted to talk, you know what I mean? <laughs> so we wanted to hear a lot. I, I definitely was interested in what she had to say uh, as a rest of cannabis, and I agree on a lot of it. Uh, I definitely want to build, you know what I mean, to, to develop the, the ABC one, two, three, no matter what happens. Uh, and I want, I'm talking about some things. You know what I mean, the president's coming here. Um, and, you know what I mean, he's made some promises. I think that um, if you look at the medical, uh, the medical, uh, matter, medical marijuana research act you'll see some of the same things that the president alluded to in in his in his statement you know mm -hmm. uh, about what he wanted to do i do think because i, I think the instructions to um to senior to senior staff and senior people in administration is going to trigger some things yeah i do i that, that's the part i'm looking for forward to you know what i mean i said that to keep fighting but i'm looking forward to what's coming down and, and, I, and i'm seeing the companion pieces in in in, in legislation that can go through now, like we're asking all our senators. You know what I mean? If you want to, if you want the people to vote, the people the vote of the people, especially if you're in cannabis, we want to push this bill before they break up. Anything can be broke up. You know what I mean? We don't have a 50-50 tie. You know what I mean? This could be a deciding factor. It could be one of those things, like you know, hey, yeah, right. Let's go. Right here. That's it too, right? And that and that's and that's what I would challenge anybody who's in this space, right? Is are you willing? to go teach this to anybody and everybody that'll come listen, all right? And that's my offer to, to you guys. If you have a group of people, if you've got communities, you know, like groups of people that I can come and be like, hey, let me give you a quick education on cannabis. Let me give you a quick education on decentralization with your sheriff and your mayors. Let me show you how this works. I can do it man probably about in an hour for each one of those type of things and it's like man this is what i'm doing if you look look i am that guy right look you see here what we're doing like i am out in the middle of nowhere in north georgia so what we're doing is we're taking guys out and doing things that they don't want us doing and they can't stop it because these guys are vets they're ptsd people they are people that are in bitcoin we are about to set the world on fire and we're practicing what we're preaching right we're showing them there is absolutely nothing but peace and healing and medicine and industry and everything else that comes from this and we don't need you guys at all we're going to show you guys how to do this peacefully so if that's you know something that i can offer to anybody out there that wants to go this way man I I'm, I'm telling you this is you know we got 2 weeks left for an election after 2 weeks and I get to do this full time you know when I get to go teach cannabis psilocybin bitcoin how this all works together and we start to really heal our communities and then bring our communities together instead of dividing them oh man I got such a passion and love for what we're about to do I mean that's my offer to you guys so if you know now then whenever you guys have that opportunity to say, yeah, hey, man, come down here, be our guest, you know, take questions, teach, um, and and really set people up for success going forward during this you know time of transition so that they have foresight into what's about to happen. Oh, man, it, what, a, what a humbling experience. Oh, absolutely. We'd love to not only just have you back on this show, but for other things that we're going to do as well. And unfortunately, I guess we kind of reached that time frame for the day, but Man, it was an absolute pleasure on having you here. First of all, humbled. Thank what you we'd for like having to me. Do is, 
we'd love for you to take a moment to tell people where they can connect with you, where they can follow what you're doing right now, not just in the governor race, but in the cannabis field as well. Yeah. Um, so you can follow me at radicalpod.com. There's links for everything I run. Uh, I run my own podcast. Uh, it's called radical and we are on a mission. You know, this is, this is the thing is if, if you guys need it, you guys want it. This is our mission is to free everybody to empower the people in their localities with their sheriffs and when their mayors to peacefully decentralize, to start nullifying, whether it's state or federal or local codes, things like that. This is our chance and we have it all written out. Like it is like the game plans there. All I need people to do is look at it, take action and get smart on it as fast as possible. So that when the dollar and the empire comes unglued, and, un, and un, just goes into its final death spiral here in the next couple quarters that we're prepared. And what we're doing as community leaders is calling for peace in a time of transition. So that's, uh, I man, thank you guys for the platform. Thank you for the time. Thank you for the amazing questions. And thanks for fighting for this kind of stuff, man, because a lot of people, they, you know, they want somebody else to do it for them. And the people that are taking action, those are the people that are going to make it happen. So thank you guys. Hats off. And, and really, this is awesome experience. All right. That's going to wrap up the Wednesday show, guys. I hope you enjoy the conversation. Um, I hope you see where the mission is going, where we are headed, how it's already bringing people together. I mean, no. It's just, it's electrifying. It's got so much energy, so much pure signal. Oh my God. It's simple, super simple. We are going to unite people. We are going to bring people together. We are going to free people. And we are going to rebuild the spirit and the hope that people need in the transitionary time. Oh my God. I can't wait to see what the future holds. You guys are making it all possible. Thank you so much. As I said, um, we are going to be doing bigger and better things. If you want to advertise with me, reach out. You can email me at shane at uh, radicalpod.com. That's again, shane at radicalpod.com. If you want to become a sponsor of the show, we're going to be kicking those guys in very, very soon. This is going to be an absolute cord cutting, legit. We are going to thrive. So appreciate all you guys that want to come in uh, and, and be sponsors. If you want to help out the show just on you know your own dime, because now we've got a, a pretty darn good following out there. Um, go out to patreon.com slash radical pod for fiat. You can send uh, all sorts of great Bitcoin through the cash app, Shane Hazel uh, there. And like I said, go out and listen on fountain and just pour into things and find things. There's great, great shows out there already. Um, and you receive sats for just listening and we receive sats for creating content. Oh my golly. I love harmony. I love peace and I love consent. And, uh, I will talk to you guys again later this week until then. I love you. I need you. Peace. Um, don't hurt people.